welcome back to the Sleepover Podcast. This is Fandames with Parks and Nebula, and we have a very special stare showdown happening right now. We have the guest of our dreams, Chris Sabat. Hi. Yay! <laughs> just, I clapped for myself. I, I yeah. Found out. Oh, I love no, it. Do it. There's, we, so this, we literally so have an earlier of your episode. Dreams? Like, yeah. Did you guys give oh me my that God. title? Or is that if you're just a guest, it's like of your dreams? No, no this is serious. You. We met because we both, like, we're in a different server for a different podcast. And she shared her Vegeta fan art in there. And I realized I had seen that on Twitter like two weeks before. And I commented on it. Like, I love Vegeta. I have him tattooed on my body. Like, I love Vegeta. Let's talk. And that's how we started to become friends. And then we've been friends for two years and started this podcast together. And that's our I, first episode. I love it i actually love like there's there's two there's like a couple different type like maybe three different type of vegeta kind of fangirls mm-hmm. there's like the mom fangirl who started watching it like with their kids and ended up liking the the angry one and then there's the uh there's the one who just kind of has like a crush on him sort of because he's dreamy um and then there's then there's the most awesome kind and that's the one that introduced their significant other to it because I, in my mind, because of, this is truly only from experience, not from, I don't know any demographics, but like I have literally been visited by mostly dudes uh, at conventions for a very long time. Like Dragon Ball has resonated with like, it made uh, eight year old boys really uh, hyperactive during the day. So that's mostly who I see, but whenever there are, girls who come up that said they had the same experience it makes me so happy especially when they're the ones introducing it to their significant others right my boyfriend's older than that. me so i couldn't introduce him but i've been into dragon ball since i was like a toddler i watched cell die when i was four because it was my dad's favorite show and he had all of like the piccolo and vegeta posable action figures that you could take their clothes off for some reason and i would lose them he'd get mad at me <laughs> But um, Dragon Ball has been like in my life for so long and I stepped away from it for a minute because I was kind of afraid of like convention spaces because I faced some backlash that way or people trying to like skew how I viewed it. But as soon as I came back into it, I fell into it hard. I have like three, four Dragon Ball tattoos on me. I my entire office is full of Vegeta figures. I think I have six Funkos. Um, I have a thing. We're actually going to see you at Level Up next week. And yes. um, I have a version of Vegeta that my boyfriend drew like when he was six. And it's like misspelled and the is hair really is orange. Crappy? Oh, I, oh, I don't have it. it with me. But yeah, I'm definitely going to get it signed for him. Um, that awesome. That's going to be exciting. But Dragon Ball has been extremely important to me for a very long time. So it's been pretty important to me um, in the yeah. way in such uh, a way where it sort of literally just changed my entire life. <laughs> like it's it's been with me for so long and it's so crazy. Cause it's like the first role. It's the first legit anime role I ever had. Um, well, unless you include Yamcha, but who in- ever includes Yamcha really? No one includes Yamcha. I loved Yamcha until point. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'd I would lo- agree. I adore Yamcha, but he's just never included. Like they no. just always kick him out. Sorry. The only Funko I have that's still in its box is my dead Yamcha. So. <laughs> that is the best figure. Yeah. Um, if you ever want to take that experience like one step farther, that was done after Bondi did 
like a hyper-realistic version of dead Yamcha. And you could probably still find it somewhere on eBay, whatever. I have it. And it's one of my favorite things because you can put it in the middle of a pie, like at Thanksgiving, (laughs) and he just sits there. It's like curled up dead. I love it. And he looks just like he did in the show. Um, Highly recommend you find that. Yeah. I mean, I love the Funko one, but it's kind of like sort of silly-ish. It's really hard, but kind of make out what it is. But the other one is just so hyper-real. It's beautiful <laughs> that's the best i'll have to find we love it. the yamcha pose so much we have transparent photos of both of us in cosplay doing it <laughs> yeah um, the dead yamcha pose yeah, yeah they're emotes in our discord server because it's of course. so funny it's my favorite reaction image after a long week but i feel you there <laughs> so i would love to hear from your perspective how um our interaction of sabat simp squad went down at fanex if you remember much of it so that we could tell this story to our listeners because it completely caught us off guard and we walked away like screaming (laughs) that's why that's why i'm on this podcast yes (laughs) that's why i'm on this podcast it was you okay Mm -hmm. okay oh wow all right that whole situation, that whole situation blew my mind. Like you just kind of came out of nowhere and just handed me a bag. Like, <laughs> like kind of like, usually when a fan hands me a, like a Ziploc baggie that looks like that, it's usually kind of really crumpled up and it's got some like half eaten thing in it that they want to give me and I don't want to eat it. But yours was filled with like, like the Sabbath Sim Squad, like stickers. And I, I wasn't quite sure what to do. Cause I, th- granted, I mean, that doesn't happen very often to me. So, uh, and actually it never happens. So I remember just taking it, freaking out and then immediately putting it on my handlers. Um, like it's like their credit card machine or something Mm -hmm. like that. And I've had so many people since then ask, do you have a shirt of that? Can I get a shirt of that? Do you have a print of that? So many people want that. And then I have other people walk up to me, including my agent who went up and like, wait, Sabbath simp squad i roll i roll i roll she's like did you do that i'm like no i didn't do it but i think some people might think i i did it so that's okay we'll just that have to, so to make new ones for you that was so funny i've just been uh i actually i can't i think my handler still has most of them the ones i had i kind of gave to people so i'm gonna need yeah. more Next yeah, week, we printed right? more. Yes, next week. We printed more Funimation ones. But then also, because you pointed out that since Funimation and Crunchyroll are required, we updated them so they're in the oh, Crunchyroll font. Oh, orange yep, yes. we've got a new one too. So now you get yes. to, to have your pick of it. Oh, we'll bring you more. Gosh. And I, I emailed your agent um, a PNG of the Sabbath Simp Squad. So you oh. can keep it forever. Wait a second. Yeah. When did you do that? Um, um, maybe last month. We can bleep uh, out names, but I emailed Francesca. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just I'm texting. Um, I'm gonna say, um, <laughs> why didn't I get the PNG of the uh, Simp Squad image? We can update you with the Crunchyroll one too. Yeah. Sold. I'll give you. I'll give you my information after that, so I don't have to go through Francesca, who clearly doesn't like. <laughs> Won't me. pass it along. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you both. I'll hook you up. Good, good. Which it's... oh, she says I have it. Well, let's say <laughs> I'm talking smack about you right now. Um, 
right now on a podcast. I'm sorry, this is rude. You guys are <laughs> no, you can do everybody else. Well, it's it's honestly kind of the best outcome because we formulated Sabat Simp Squad on which also I'm sorry, Sabat Sabat. Which how do you? <laughs> it's actually Sabat. Sabat. Okay. It really should be Sabat. Okay. And the reason why it's Sabat is because I don't know racism, uh, like against. Polacks or whatever when people are coming over to America and then I think some of it was just that my parents moved to Texas I don't know if I have no idea if it's how long it's been Sabbat but it should technically be S-Z-A-B-A-T so it should be Zabat but they oh, took the Z cool. out they're like well you're just Sabbat now man um, <laughs> and then my parents were in Texas so I guess that just like I mean it was just in um it was just galvanized at that point. And it's funny, I I haven't really talked about this too much. So this will be one of the first times I actually even semi-promote this thing. And if I had it with me, oh, it's in the other room. Um, I did a comic book recently with a, a, a company called Source Point Press. And it, it came out right around Comic-Con, like New York Comic-Con time. But mm-hmm. it was... There's so much happening in New York Comic Con, and I didn't want to flood anybody with any more information. So it just sort of like had a soft little release. I had a couple of, like, I didn't have many copies of it at all, but it's called Okratron, which is the name of my studio, uh, The Wrath of Sawbot, S A W B O T. And it's a play mm-hmm. on words of like Sabbat, Sawbot, um, or how Siri might say my name. And it's pretty <laughs> funny. It's, uh, I'll try to remember. I'll give you my information. Please don't let mm. us leave without. Actually, I'll just put it in the chat right now. Unless yeah, you can see put it that. in there. Um, sure. No, they don't uh, see it. Send at us all. a. Me- oh no, this is actually sending customer service a message. Oh, oops. And it says that you. Oh, hold on. There we go. The one next to it, but uh, it doesn't show up. in Remind chat, so. me, and I will bring you uh, a copy to the show so you can have it after this. Yeah, that would be For awesome. Sure. Yeah, of course. Like you'll have to be one of like twenty people who have it because I really just didn't ever do anything with it and is it okra because of the the food is that it's, well okratron is the name of my recording studio that i've had for like 20 years and okratron but it's actually the full name is okratron 5000 and okra means really nothing like back when you two when your parents before your parents ever met one another um <laughs> There was this thing called Yahoo, and uh, Yahoo allowed you to get get this free email addresses. Can you believe it? And but I went on there, and of course I can't be Chris at Yahoo.com or Christopher at Yahoo.com, and uh, so I just eaten soul food or whatever with my friends in college uh, at the time, and I was like, I should like that okra was really good. I should eat more okra, <laughs> and then I was like, oh, and then I just used that as my email address which i haven't seen in a very long time um and then okra just became like this almost like a meme for me it would show up in like usernames and stuff and and uh passwords and things like that and when it was time to name my company i named it okra because it means nothing um tron which is a word that you can add to anything to give it technological significance so like nebula is one thing although it's a pretty damn cool name so you don't really Thank have to you. add anything to it. But if you call yourself Nebulatron, that actually adds some sort of weird, like you've it's it's technologically more um advanced, right? Right. Or like Parkertron. And five thousand is because I was always had this obsession with the year two thousand. Um, uh, because when I was a kid, 
we I had this thing called the Kids Whole Future Catalog, and it was like what the year, what's going to be like in the year two thousand. Mm-hmm. And it didn't end up being anything like that at all. There were no flying cars. There was there weren't we didn't all have robots or anything. It just didn't it just didn't work out. So I thought about all the companies out there that had named themselves like Laundry Mat two thousand. Uh, and then 2000 ended up not being that cool. Like once it's 2001, like you're kind of your laundromat's outdated. So I gave myself, you know, 3000 years of additional longevity mm-hmm. by naming it Ocatron 5000. A so, very, very good marketing move. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's really confusing for anyone uh, to remember the name of my company, but it's it's fine. Well, it's as fine. a fellow Southerner, I appreciate it. Okra <laughs> yeah, is, uh, is big in our family. <laughs> I love Okra. I am a big Okra fan. Anyway, we could start talking about that, but we no, you're good. But I, I wanted to, really, I wanted to mention that um, your whole reaction to Sabat Sim Squad made me so happy because we formulated it in an earlier episode, and I distinctly remember Parks and I going back and forth like, "Chris, if you ever hear this, we mean it with love. We appreciate oh. you. Don't be weirded out." And We're then we just weirdos. decided to roll with it. <laughs> It was clear. I mean, you clearly were doing it as kind of a like. It was clearly not creepy at all. Like, it really yeah. wasn't. You would do. It was all in good fun. That's I think why I liked it because it didn't come across at all as weird. Like, awesome. I thought. I think I understood it in the way that you <laughs> intended it. Right. Like, yeah, we yeah, have your stamp definitely. of approval. We're good. We're good. It's signed on my print. Yeah. <laughs> I've got it. <laughs> I I've never understood the concept of like. I've never understood the concept of a fan club type thing. So it's really, it's hard for me. Uh, it's hard for me to kind of imagine that. But now you're my first, actually, maybe, okay, I should give whoever that was 20 years ago credit. You're the second fan club I've ever had. <laughs> One person who ran a fan club somewhere. And the only time I ever met them was when I took a really long flight with another voice actor. And he was like, hey, I got an idea. You should eat this brownie that has weed in it. And I said, Oh, how's it make you feel? And he goes, Oh, they're really good. It's not that strong. And of course this actor is known now to always be ingesting strong things. So I was really baked. Um, and when I got to our hotel, this person was like, you're Chris Sabat or Sabat or whatever you might've called me. Uh, I was like, yes, because I run your fan club. I go, cool <laughs> i gotta go and then uh oh no and i got to the hotel like i couldn't i was so it, it, i was so strong that i all i could muster when i got to the front desk of the hotel was just my last name i just like slurred out like sabbat and then she knew sort of what i was talking about and gave me a key and i went to my room um that's well, thank time. God you didn't pass out on the Last lobby floor. Fan, yeah, right. Last fan club experience was unmemorable, and I apologize to whoever you were, and I'm really sorry. Uh, but you're the you're the first modern version of it. Thank you. You have so many elevator stories because I have a close friend who act like his wife was very intoxicated because this was an after an AX after party, and they got in an elevator, and he was holding his drunk wife up, and you were in there. He's like, "Oh, hey." This is awkward. And he was like trying to make small talk with you. And he's like, nah, Chris is the nicest guy ever because we were both very gone and he was just making nice conversation with us the oh, whole time. It's a, it's, it can be really like, it is weird to be in an environment where you re, like, 
where someone could theoretically do what they did to me a few months ago where I was eating, like I was waiting to eat breakfast. I was really tired. I was at a convention. I'd gone out the night before and then literally some, some really sweet kid yelled from, well, I say kid, he was probably in his thirties, but he kind of had this kid-like energy. He goes, Chris Sabbath. And he yells at the top of his lungs and literally every single person turned and looked at me at that moment. No, And I died a little bit on the inside, but yeah, I, I really, I, yeah, I, I'm okay with talking to people. It doesn't matter to me. Like the, I'm cool with it. Everyone has it. good stories. It's just all I know, but. It is yeah. funny how nervous some people really do, do get like when you, when, when you can stand next to them and I, and just, I want to go like, Hey guys, I'm just a dude living in the world. And I happen to be cl- really close to something that you love a lot. Right. Like people don't. People don't love Christopher Sabbath because, you know, I'm just such a cool person. They you mostly like me because I am like close closest thing to get. I'm like like a piece of uh, like I'm moon dust, really. Like and like you have that moon dust, not because you're a big fan of dust, but you love the moon so much. Right. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm close enough to touch the moon dust of all shows I work. on. I've never used that analogy before, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. Anyway. I think you should give yourself a little more credit than that, because I think that you're a really positive presence as a person in fandom and in convention spaces. And when we met you in person at Fanex in Salt Lake, it was just an immediate click and it was no hesitation. Like we were fangirling. It was like, oh, my God, it's him. But you were so easy to talk to and to oh, vibe like- with. And the thing that hits me the most, like the very first thing I will describe you as if someone asked me, who's this guy you're talking about? is oh he's like just this wholesome guy he's just like a family man he takes his daughter to his red carpet events how cool is that like yeah. that's the first kind of thing that comes to mind so you should give yourself a little bit well, more thank credit you. thanks i i have never i it's interesting for you to call me wholesome i do try to be wholesome with people and honest and just genuine with people and i try not to get it's easy to get frustrated when you're just doing, when you're in a zone or whatever, but I, mm-hmm. I would be mortified if anyone ever left and I felt like that I didn't give them a, a moment, right? Like if I didn't, if I didn't take the time, like someone, it blows my mind that anyone would wait any amount of time to, to see me at a show. Like, I don't even like to make 20 minutes, like when I'm at the teller at the bank or something like that, like, um, that's where you used to go into the bank and actually mm-hmm. talk to a human and give them money. But we're not that we couldn't do it on our phones back then um but yeah i just would feel like i i kind of see everybody no matter what age they are as the kids that i met when i was first doing this mm-hmm. and my experience in as first going to conventions was really humbling um because we had just you know dragon ball was recorded in canada before it was recorded in in texas and we were we were cast basically on our ability to kind of copy those original voices as best as we could, but we were we weren't pros by any ima- like stretch of the imagination. Plus, we were owned by a very infantile version of Funimation that was really just owned by a bunch of guys from Justin, Texas, that just like let's make this cartoon show or whatever, we'll make it cool for kids. And so, when I would go to an anime convention back in the day, it was always like. 
Why did you change the music? Why did you change Goku's story? Why did you change these lines? And I was like, hey, guys, I, I don't know. I'm sorry. And that, that was my experience at conventions. But then when I go to, to other appearances, mostly it was just kids because like you were the kids were like eight and nine and seven. I'd look at their parents and I'd apologize. I'm like, I'm really sorry they're, if I caused any of this because I know they're really <laughs> hyper. Um, so I just still see everybody as like the kids from when I first started doing this. I don't know if that's weird or whatever, but uh, I don't know. I just I'm very, very grateful for everyone who comes to see me. And I I would feel terrible if I didn't uh, take the uh, time to at least, you know, at least look you in the eye or shake your hand or something and like let you know that I appreciate you being there. Right. And then there's sometimes when you bring me a sticker that says Sabbath Sim Squad on it and you're even more special. So thanks. <laughs> so Parker, do you want to tell the story for the listeners of how that happened from our perspective? Because we haven't told any of our, our, no, our Discord or our fan surprise. base or anything. It's a complete surprise that we're having you on, Chris. We have kept this silent since September. Um, but for the fans, if you remember, this happened in September. Nebula flew out to Utah for Salt Lake Fanex. We were both going to go because we had a photo op with Chris the day before. We didn't want to have to worry about overwhelming him at the actual uh, photo op. So we went to get an autograph just in the normal line. Um, I was going with Neb because I was just going to come and hand stickers and she was going to do her thing, blah, blah, blah. She was getting the interview or not the interview, the autograph. Sorry. We walk up and I'm like, hey, Chris, like this might be super weird. We have a little podcast and we adore you. We made this merch. And as soon as we handed it to him, he's obsessed. Um, he already mentioned it earlier. He went and put it on his handler's uh, card reader, on his assistant's phone case. Loved them. Um, and then as we're just talking about it a little bit, he's signing us prints. He signed mine with Sabbath Swimp Squ- uh, Simp Squad. And then immediately said, you guys are on a podcast. Can I be on your podcast? And I was dumbfounded. I was taken back. All I could do was just sputter a yes. And then you gave us... or. You, we mentioned we would see you to, or the next day and that you would get your agent's card for us then. So at our photo op, that's when we like swapped off is we gave you our card, got one from your agent because you remembered us because we are very distinct figures. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, when you're six, we three, you, it's kind of hard not to be. I'm six, four. Six, four. <laughs> pardon me. We I- swapped information and that was it. But it was so fast because of just the way Fanex runs everything that it felt like there was no time to process. We both felt like we were like a little high because we didn't have time to process that you just asked to be on our little podcast. Um, <laughs> dumbfounded. I called my dad. I was like, I don't. Uh, uh. <laughs> Photo ops are. I, I mean, it's good because people really do want them, but I actually don't. I don't really like them that much. First of all, I'm a voice actor and I never pride myself in um, <laughs> like being a, a model. Um, but also just the way they have to work by their very nature. Because if you, I don't know if you've gotten photo ops with other people or like like really big celebrities or anything like that. But it's usually like, like clear, pff, next, clear, pff, next. And like Jason Momoa will get through like 2,500 of them in 15 minutes or whatever they um, – but so I feel really bad because some people come in and they don't they don't know. And they're like, hey, nice to meet you. And everyone's like, move along, move along. And I'm like, guys, chill. I'm sorry. And then sometimes I have to do photo ops with like Sean 
Shemel, he's the voice of Goku. And sometimes I we only have a small amount of time, but he gets he gets in this mode where he's like, I've got to do something creative for every single one. I'm like, I love you, Sean, but like they're getting mad at us right now. Like now the <laughs> photographer's mad at us. There was this one con he went to where he just he used those little tiny hands that you could hold on your sticker and he put them in his shirt. And so every person he has these tiny little hands sticking out of his shirt or like he's doing this and all the photos. And there wasn't enough time to even explain why to anyone. They just had to kind of leave and wonder why Sean had tiny hands. Enjoy your photo. Yep. Love it. Yeah, that's part of why we wanted to come up to you for autographs beforehand, because I know how photo ops go and it's just... It's not worth it. I'm not going to diss the way Fanex specifically runs theirs either because they also had a new company this last year. I don't know. Weird. It's. I mean, there's only a handful of companies and they are, it, in their defense, they are under so much pressure from not only the, the convention, but like the agent and like the actor who's there. Sometimes they're just lucky if they could if they get the actor there on time and if they, mm-hmm. and if you've got someone super lazy or whatever that you've got to grab you out of the, um, uh, the green room and they won't join you. Sometimes that throws all the, the photographs off and then the next person comes and then, you know, it's, it's literally like famous person after famous person. Then it's us. And then we take like 15 minutes and we're out. But like <laughs> the it's, yeah, there's, they're under a lot of pressure to move yeah. really fast. Unfortunately, I feel so. really bad for him. But it's kind of hard to know because if you're not a regular convention goer, you don't know how the photo op is going to go down. So it's hard to know like what kind of personal level you get at that, which is fine. But it's just kind of difficult to grasp when you're waiting in that line and paying for that. And then if you don't understand that experience is what you're getting when you go in, you'll feel a little bit like, well... That was cool and that was it versus like if you go to the booth and get a selfie or whatever, it's a little bit more back and forth and an That's, actual like conversation. That would be really I, – I know a person – actually, I know a couple of them now. But I know one – I'm friends with one in particular who owns one of those photo ops companies. And as you're saying that, it makes me want to do one of those um, – cheesy videos that you see like when you go to Six Flags or something where it's like, hi, I'm Chris Sabat and I just want to talk to you about like what your experience should be like when you're doing a photo op. You've got to keep moving. Time is important. We know you want to talk to somebody, but you can't. So file in from the left-hand side and if you try to go to the right-hand side, we're going to act really mad that you went the wrong way even though there was really no way of knowing which way you're supposed to go. You are you welcome to shake your hands, but do it quickly and like... uh just do this cheesy, like you're about to play laser tag kind of intro to it. Oh, like a whole um, airline spiel. And you, you yeah. do like, you should do the voiceover, but don't move your mouth. Just like have it be playing and then do the little Vanna White oh, that hand motions. <laughs> do any of you, do you either live in a, an area where there's the American Airlines? Uh, do you fly American Airlines much? Yes. I fly Delta, but okay. she does. Man, if you ever fly American Airlines, for the, your listeners who... Uh, like fly American Airlines, pay attention to their announcement. They've got some s- some person, uh, some white girl with like dark hair um, and every single line, because my, my guess is that they did the voiceover or like she did the, she did, she was worked on the day and then they probably had her come back in and maybe overdub it or something. And I think they just went line by line by line by line by line. 
And then what they ended up with was everything she says ends down here. And the next thing she says ends down here. And no matter what she says, she always on the same note. Then you buckle your seatbelt and put it directly in your seat. If you have someone in front of you, make sure you take care of them before you take care of children. Make sure you always stand up at the end of the flight. Like Every single has the same cadence down to the same exact note every time. And you can't unhear it. So, <laughs> Never you, you flying go. American next week? Uh, well, not next week, but damn. I will whenever I go back to um, Fanex in September. So well, I will look out for it. <laughs> I'm doing a Fanex show. I think they're doing one in... Um, they're, they're doing one in... Uh, uh, in I think they have Atlanta two different locations. Year. Yeah. Yeah. The people who run it are... They are good people. Uh, they're the most stylish convention owners I've ever met. <laughs> like the people who own it, like this guy named Dan. Yeah, and I know Dan. I know Dan he, very well. He's like, <laughs> they are so stylish, though. He always wears like fancy clothes. And in fact, um, they're, so they're like, I'm giving you I'm behind the curtain for a minute here. Mm-hmm. So I hope I don't get in trouble for that. I'm sure it's not a big deal. Um, what are they going to do? Yeah, what are they going to do, Dan? Don't come at me, <laughs> I've Dan. worked... I've worked at the convention. I've done panels there. Okay, I'm good. good. So all like most conventions have a, a a green room where all the actors are, and there's usually like food and stuff like that. Depending on the con, it can vary. Um, and but I will say that Fan X's green room is by far like the coolest I've ever been in. Like I remember the first year I went, they had like a puppy therapy pit for their animals. Uh, like if not wait, well, they're animals, but they're actors too. <laughs> but they're uh they had a puppy pit. They had some guy that was making like custom suits and they would hand out like these like branded like backpacks and stuff that if they just went above and beyond on the the client service part of it, which is crazy. Well, the puppy pit is actually done through the Humane Society and actors actually adopt all of those dogs before they oh, yeah. go home. Yeah, There's like no total. I think at least 10 actors have gotten dogs from the puppy pit for sure. That's I was so cool. this close to getting this German Shepherd I saw there too. I He he was amazing, except I, there's, I couldn't have done it. I couldn't have done it. Not anymore. last year, but the year before. I mean, I've had passes both years, but I've had cosplay guest badges. So I went back there the year before last and it was crazy. I was scared to be in there because it's like all of these big name actors, some puppies and some like highbrow business dudes are all back there. It's kind of scary. Um, very intimidating. But the puppies are cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. Uh, I know that jo- I, I'm with the same agent that John Barrowman has and he mm-hmm. adopted a puppy the year he went. Yeah. To- I think actually my agent might actually have ended up with that dog. Oh my gosh. She loved it. They pass the dogs off. <laughs> it's cool. Anyway. Yeah. It stayed in the family. They're really close friends. So anyway, that, yeah, that was fun. The only other green room that was, is pretty cool is I do, I do, uh, uh, actually all of, I can dish on all the conventions like fan expo <laughs> by far has the best food in the green room, but like, they're really good at that. Um, but the, Australia, when I've done the Supernova or like the Oz Comic Con, a lot of the times they'll bring in like an animal handler. Like, hey, there's a snake, mate. There you go. It's a kid, a koala. And you get to pet him or whatever. Uh, it's it's pretty fun too. They they kind of won on that. Like no, most people don't bring you a zoo. Um, yeah, if you get to hang out with a koala back there, I wouldn't even go to the booth. I'm hanging out with this koala the whole time. 
When I was in college, we had animal handlers that would come the first week of as uh, as like the welcome week. And I remember one year they brought a whole bunch of fennec foxes and I did not want to leave. We were just out in front of the library. Everybody pet a fox. (laughs) Uh, If I tell like my daughter would freak out. My oldest loves foxes and cats so much. Like Hero would love that. Um, I'm going to shameless plug. Tell her to go to Oklahoma State. (laughs) They have them. Go go, Pokes. Don't go there for the education. Just go there for the opening ceremony. Go Pokes. The, like the orientation. Well, they just are in ag school. They don't know. So they, oh, they there you go. Yeah. Just show up. They don't care. Ag mean um, like as in like a very aggressive school? Agriculture. <laughs> I'm kidding. But no, you're good. It's okay. It's in, it's the South. It's an agro school. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, On the subject of college, I'm very interested to hear. Um, I know Parker and I found out when we were doing a little bit of research that you had an opera scholarship. Is that right? I for, did. For I, university? I was. I got a, an opera scholarship to the University of North Texas. And I took it because, you know, it was free. And so and my parents were like, we'll take the free stuff. I wasn't necessarily sure I wanted to sing opera, but I was like, well, I'll, I certainly will try. And the problem is I got this level of scholarship that they only give like one of. And one thing they don't tell you is that on your like like your first month of school, you have to do you have to take part in a recital in your first month. And what they but they what they ended up doing was like doing let's do the senior level of this scholarship, they'll sing. And then the junior level and then the, you know, then the sophomore level and then the freshman level. And I, you know, I'm just a dude from League City, Texas that could sing real good and had a deep voice, right? Uh, I was not expecting to have to do that. And it kind of set me off in a weird way because everyone else was like, the other ones were so good. I felt horrible by comparison. Like, um, and over time, I I event like I kept, I stayed in the school for about a year and a half, and then I realized this isn't. I don't really want to do this. Like I had a, a voice coach, and they would tell you things like, "All right, Chris, so you really like my advice for you is to like don't go to places that are really smoky, and like don't go like don't go to places where you have to use like don't use your voice too much, don't talk that loud, and like." go to bed early and like eat really healthy. And I'm like, those are all, you just listed all the things that I don't want to do in college right now. <laughs> like I, I don't want to do any of that. Like all I want to do is hang out in smoky places, talk loudly, and eat garbage pizza before <laughs> I go to bed. And that's it. So I realized that wasn't what I wanted to do. I went back to Texas and went to this uh, junior college called uh, Alvin community college. It's only known. Alvin is only known because, uh, a baseball player named Nolan Ryan. I know nothing about baseball, but Nolan Ryan went to school there and they had this huge radio department though. And that was the coolest part. Like their radio air, they, they had this radio station. It was like 50,000 Watts, which is a, it's a very powerful station for a college station. Most college stations, you can't hear it beyond the, the college, but you could almost hear it from, you know, deep into downtown Houston. It was insanely wow. powerful. And unlike the university level where it was really um, – they're really granular and very collegiate about it where you had to just take a bunch of classes about radio, they just put you on the air. They would like say, all right, here's your shift and go and you figure it out on your own. And that's my favorite way to learn is by fire, you know. That's so that's cool. That's it. I've, I did not graduate from the University of North Texas. I'll tell you that right now. Um, 
But I have been on the front of the alumni magazine two times. And I was like, hey, can I just get a degree now? Like, will you just give me one now? It's like you deserve an honorary one at that point. They keep point. using your name. Yeah, may Uh-oh. as well. Oh, I left and then I reconnected. Did you see that? You're totally cool if it does. Luckily, all of this is local backup, so it keeps Oh, tight. nice. Nice. It's but cool. leading in, so that background in radio, is that your first step into voice acting? Yeah, for sure. I mean, if I want to back it up, even though I didn't know really what voice acting was, my first voice acting was when I was in like sixth, seventh grade, when I used to just prank call people all the time. And it was amazing. It was like a holy land for prank calling because there was no caller ID uh, at all. So you could call anyone. They didn't know. You were completely anonymous. And then eventually they came up with something called Star 69, which is where like you could call the person back who called you. You didn't know who they were, but at least you could call the number back. And uh, that just gave me two chances to prank the same person. (laughs) Um. And the I'd say I two I have two ultimate voice prank things that I've ever done in terms of crank calling. Uh, was the first one was in high school when I fa- went to my friend's house and his dad had a home office and he had this thing called a conference line where you could have two phone calls connect them together in the same call. So what I would do is I would just call two people that I knew didn't like one another. I call one real fast and I, I pick up and call the other one real fast. And then I just sit on the conference call and just listen to what happened. Like, who is this? Like, who's this? Like, why'd you call me? Like, you're the one who called me. It's like, is this, is this Brad? Like, yeah, who is this? Like, why did you call me? Like, I didn't call you. You called me. And it, I had to have done about a hundred of those. Cause it was way too fun. Um, and then the other time that I prank called someone, it was the only time I've ever done it for the power of good is I was sitting on an airplane one time and there was this dude who was like on his laptop on the plane. And I was able to see what he was doing between the crack between the seats. And I was able to kind of, I was in that view where I could directly see his laptop. And it was clear he was just jumping from, he was just jumping from all these different dating sites and sorting by like who would respond first. And then he would say, Hey, what's up? And like, where do you like, where do you live? And they say Addison or whatever. And they go, he go, Oh, that's weird. And he pulls up Google maps. He's like, I live, uh, I live in Richardson, which is really close to there. We should hang what out. What a scumbag. Oh, it, and he just did this. And I saw him, I saw him get numbers. I saw him get, information so i just started copying it all down and i called all of the people that i got the information for and used the deepest voice i could i was like is your name susan yes if you're supposed to go on a date soon i wouldn't do it he is not who you think he is this is your last warning and then i hung up what's funny though is i also got his information and i had his email address so i went to an apple store and logged into a generic email account and then emailed them saying, like, I will make your life hell if you don't stop doing this. Uh, That's incredible. But I hope oh he got God. super embarrassed, at least. Yeah, I hope he learned his lesson. Damn. So gross. <laughs> no, that's so super gross. cool. Um, can I ask one question, though? So your first initial, like, credited projects are your role in Initial D and Dragon Ball Z. But there's one third one, and it's you as Mr. Munch. 
Um, Is Chuck E. Cheese in the galaxy? How did that happen? Oh, yeah. Okay, so this is early Funimation. The guys still own that company, and somehow they got in touch with the people who own the Pizza Rat or whatever, (laughs) and they decided, like, let's do something together. And, like, Pizza Rat was like, we want to make a video. And, And then they asked us, so we were like, sure, we can make, like, a video or whatever. And so they just had some of their people and some of their... They found these video guys and they came into the pizza rat place and they, they did the video, except they really didn't know what they were doing at all. Like the, no one on the project really had a clue what was going on. They used this visual effects company that didn't really know what they were doing. They didn't have professional audio people on the set and only about two people, maybe zero people will understand this on your podcast, but they their onset audio guys recorded everything on a mini disc player. Um, mini disc. I don't know if you ever had those. It was like a kind of in between CDs. It was a recordable media that recorded on a small disc, which is cool. It was, it was definitely digital. It was a decent quality, but the problem is uh, it records at a different, it records at a different cycle. So, it doesn't, it wouldn't time up. Like it's not the same frame rate as the video. So when you line them up together, the vi- like if the movie's this long, the audio is this long. So they yeah. had to kind of find ways to move it around. And that was part of my job was to try and fix it. Um, And, and so, and at that point they, they didn't have, like, they had me do the voice of Munch and, uh, I do actually have an on-camera appearance in that, too, if you want to see what I looked like when I was your yeah, age. I, um, I do. I'm going to go look for it later. <laughs> if you, I think if it's still up, let me just double check. Oh, it's definitely on YouTube. I pulled it up when I was looking it's, before. If you, if you write, I think if you type in Galaxy 5000 backwards. Yep, and there it is. 005YXALAG. Um, 005 why it has 574,000 views and I'm pretty sure it's 100% because I have told people about it. <laughs> it's so bad. And like if you when you do watch it, please enjoy because they they just did stuff that would have never flown today. Like there's a there's just this kid, he's like like 11 years old and he meets up with like the pizza rat and like other like his friends and they're like, what's up, Charlie? They're like, I'm sad. Uh, what's the problem? My family's tractor is, uh, is going to have to be sold, and they can't buy one, and it's almost harvest season or something. And they're like, oh, no. And then someone goes, I've got an idea. You should do this race, the space race called the Galaxy 5000. And they're like, oh, that sounds fun. And so they take the child with them to outer space, who knows with permission or not and then oh, they, casual and, child abduction yeah it's, exactly it's the and norm they, it's the 90s <laughs> they have to race in this race however the two people who won it every year um were high on zoom gas because dr zoom was giving them zoom gas so they're basically high on performance enhancing drugs to win this race and uh it was so awkward and it's a musical on top of that i wrote two of the songs um and it's really, really, really bad. One was called Snowball's Chance in Texas. And the other one is like the intro song. Like uh, it's, it was really fun because I think everybody on the set was on drugs, I guess. But um, 
and I, it shows. And if you if you are one of those people who likes to watch really weird things when you're in a weird elevated place, it, I would highly recommend watching this because it's awful. The it's top just- comment is Christopher Sabat wants to resurrect this masterpiece. <laughs> he keeps trying to make it happen, and it was from five years ago. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm gonna true. watch this later. That's oh. incredible. I do I love so the day, the title, A Snowball's Chance in Texas. That's a really good title. And it's a country song. And I, it was a joke. I mean, I, oh man, I just, it, I was in college. I was, it was, it's really bad. Um, But there you go. So I, you know, funny thing is though, I think there actually are like legit fans of that. Like people who really, really do like it. Cause I, I did cameo for about 15 seconds until I realized, ouch, this hurts my voice. I can't do this. Um, and one of the people that got in right at the beginning for the day or two that I actually did them ever, um, he, like everyone else was like, Vegeta, Vegeta, All Might, All Might, I love you, Zoro, whatever. And then one kid comes in and he's like, I really loved you as Munch in the Chuck E. Cheese movie. I'm like, are you serious? You're joking with me, right? No, and either they just did an amazing job, like keeping a straight face, so that I would do this. They wanted me, like I don't, I think they wanted me to talk like Munch or whatever, and say hi to him. I don't think I could do it. I was like, look, I, I, we can chat about this, but I don't know if I can do that voice. Like I, I I'm not sure. I may have done like a, a tiny snippet of it, but it was so. You weird. were what, like nineteen? 20 when you did this movie would have come out when hold on uh, 1999 i have it pulled up on my list 1999 i'm bad with math but that would have been a nine that's 23 years ago yeah i would have been yeah i would have been about 26 years old okay and i hold on man i i really wish we could sometimes do these I, i really do wish we could sometimes do these podcasts and have the internet available so we can do like show and tells but my worry is like you probably would get kicked off the internet or whatever. They'd That's okay. That's why I use Discord sometimes, but I wanted to keep professional. That's why we're in Zencaster instead. Um, so if you want to see me, when the very first song fires up, um, are you actually able to hear this through my microphone by any chance? I can't hear it. Oh, no, I cannot. I could... Theoretically, I could route it. And I if can. you give me the timestamp, we can edit it we in. Can cut it in here too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One minute. Uh, let's see. Okay. One minute. It's the very first song. Oh yes, it's. I'll, I'm going to link you right here. Where, and by the way, they couldn't afford to pay really anybody, so all the extras and everything are just like. I mean, just people, here. <laughs> they're just like people's like kids or whatever people who work for the company. Like I think the president's children are in it. Like Ken Fukunaga's kids are in it. Um, I'll put this in the chat right here. And it's oh, just I'm so excited. And I linked you right to where they start sniffing adventure and they literally are sniffing the air. And then the piano play starts playing and it's me. And then I have like, it's me uh, in, in young form. And when I was 26 and it was when I was first working in Funimation, I had these sideburns that went down like on both sides of my face and I called them Scully and Mulder because they would <laughs> get really close, but they would never touch. Right. Like, they, would just, like, they would, they were super, super close to one another. And that's what you will see in that video. Like, uh, 
You're welcome. Oh my god. Thank you. Right now. Hold on. Thank you for this blessing. Yeah. And guess what? Turns out that they didn't sell a lot of copies of this video because (laughs) parents really just maybe like I don't know if it was just because it was bad or because parents just didn't want their kids to be reminded to take them to the pizza rat place where you have to pay a lot of money to eat pizza and play video games, right? So like if you remind your kids that Chuck E. Cheese exists, you have to take them there. So So I'm picturing the next Sabbath Simp Squad merch is your face with with the in Chuck E. Cheese font with the sideburns all the way down. Oh, and I'm we're gonna redesign it. Zoot suit and piano guy too, like with suspenders and a bow tie. And yeah, everything. we're gonna and redesign do, the Chuck E. Like Cheese point logo. at the camera or something really dumb. Like, all right, so we'll find you at Fanex this year and give you some okay, good, <laughs> new merch. We'll do you know what? It. That reminds me, the funniest thing that anyone has ever handed me to autograph. It's funny. I n- never remember the story when I want to, but I'm remembering it now. Some dude came up to me and said. Hey, could you sign this Vegeta for me? And he handed me a Vegeta. And it's this dude with like Vegeta's blue hair. And he looks like complete garbage. And then I realized he's given me the insert for the Dragon Ball Z Halloween costume. Like, and it is so funny. And he did it intentionally. I was like, you are genius. And then he laughed and he like smelled like drugs. And then it wandered <laughs> off and... I was so I was like, you are genius. This is my favorite thing I've ever signed. I loved it. I think I took a picture of it somewhere, but it was so funny. I love those costumes so much. I love those wigs. They're camp in a way I can't describe. And they're when you get them, like unless you know how to like unless you're you and you know how to work with stuff like that, they just come all smashed up and like the hair is like every which way. There's no way. And there's holes everywhere. You can see like that ugly nude netting in between. And you can't yeah. move it left or right, and it does not stay on. It's the yeah. derpiest costume of all time, especially the adult version of it, I imagine. But kids, you you know, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's okay kid, if it's like, a kid. But when you're a grown person and you're wearing that and don't know how to work a wig, it's bad. <laughs> My favorite are, like, the really soft, like, foam costumes for the Saiyan armor. And you can definitely tell they had it in the bag before they wore it. So it's, like, <laughs> yeah. it's all permanently, yeah. It's my favorite. I kind of love them, like, legitimately. The Naruto and Sasuke ones they dropped were really funny. Oh, I haven't. I bet you I've seen one of those at least. But I have a weird pet peeve, and I don't know why. And it doesn't really matter. I don't judge anybody for it. But it always bothers me when I see somebody who is wearing, like, a dress shirt. But it, like, you can tell it was in the package. Like, it's got, like, uh, seams, like, here and then down the side. It always it drives me nuts sometimes. It's the bare minimum to iron or steam yeah, your no shirt. no effort. Zero. It's a huge thing for costuming, too. It's, like, it's okay to buy costumes, but please iron them before you take them out of the bag. They look really yeah. bad if you don't. If you don't have to, I try iron, to say that? just throw it in the dryer. <laughs> See, you can have your cosplay ironing station at a convention and make money on it. And like maybe yours can be right next to my money-making idea for uh, New York Comic-Con, which is called the uh, the VIP executive luxury bathroom, which is like um, – it's like you set it up on the convention floor and you bring this like really, like really high-end like trailer or something that has like porta-potties in it, but you make it really, really nice. And then you charge people admission to go. Like a weekend wristband to go and use an actual bathroom? They can have access to it. Um, 
And because at New York Comic Con, it is sometimes you have to like when you realize that you've got to pee or whatever, you've got about you probably from the time it takes you to walk across to where you need to go and then wait in whatever line it is. It may be an hour. Like it's wow. It's not fun. See, I'm picturing now a porta potty that's just a normal porta potty, but you've like duct taped laminate up and like printed out <laughs> some nice. we, some we shitty Mona Lisa copy and just taped it up. It's there you go. There's your executive. Pimp it out. We have someone at the door with cologne samples. There you go. <laughs> Do our best. Yeah. Sold. Um, but I have. I haven't you like. I don't know how much experience you guys have porta potties, but I have been to conventions where they didn't have like private bathrooms for people, but they would bring in like this really like nice looking version of a porta potty, like the like I don't know the the one percenters porta potty or something, and it's like <laughs> all like really nice. I've had that, but it wasn't nice. It was like at this tiny outdoor convention. But it was still a convention. I don't know how to describe it. And instead of porta potties, they had like nine foot tall office cuticles, like or cubicles, not cuticles. Sorry, um, that broke down. Like they had the walls that were very thin and like had fabric on them. And then it was like a hole, like a basket for like a toilet basket. Oh god! And a hand sanitizer um, pump, and that was it. That was all they had. And it was so scary because it was open air. <laughs> That is so weird. <laughs> it was like a push door, open air, and there were six of them, like stacked back and like back and forth. Um, I was too scared to go. <laughs> yeah, no, that thank would be you. so weird. Like it'd be the only time when you'd ever be worried if like birds could see you or whatever. <laughs> like that'd be so awkward. What if a bird shit on you when you're trying to take a shit? What? That's like Dave ruined. <laughs> and I'm not safe. Like someone with a selfie stick could get me in there. I'm scared. No, oh I was too afraid God. to go. That's so weird. It had like the- toilet paper that was definitely one ply and then no sink, hand sanitizer pump. And that was it. You know, Mm-mm. this is going to be the second time I've told the story today and probably the fourth time I've ever told it. So you're welcome. But it seemed, I guess it was predestined for us to talk about this today, <laughs> or I've had porta potties on the mind. But I went to this one convention one time, and it was a Comic Con style, wasn't anime style. And uh, I was like, "Hey, do you, do you guys have a restroom? Because so, it's it's really awkward, to be honest, to go to the restroom, like go to the bathroom when, uh, especially when you sit down bathroom, good to go. That's a polite dad version of it. But like uh, when there's people that you they're there at the convention it's kind of really awkward uh so usually they have bathrooms backstage or whatever and the, near the green room or whatever that you can use well i had asked this convention i'm like do you guys have a restroom I'm like yeah yeah follow me it's over here and they walked me to this area that looked kind of like like a high school like drama dressing room type thing that had a bathroom inside it um so I mean, it wasn't out of the ordinary but i did notice as i was walking in there that like there were people's stuff and stuff in there. I was like, oh, well. So I did my thing and it really wasn't a thing that you'd want anyone to go in right after uh, you went sort of thing. And a relatively famous person went in right after me and I just went, oops. But what made it worse was that right after he passed me to go in and I was walking out the door this whole group of women um, 
came and start and just sat down in that room. Like they were, I guess, were hanging out in there. So I always imagined that, like, when he left, <laughs> they thought it was him, and so he was probably <laughs> really, really embarrassed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's like, hope so. <laughs> it's like when you I go wish to I could know who it was. And their bath and their bathroom is like way too close to their living room, and you feel like really weird. And you're like, can you That's turn on some music or something? <laughs> I get really pee shy, guys. Like I'm just, I'm weird. You're like you're that. preaching to the pee choir, so you're good. No, yeah. There's like the couch in my friend's like townhouse. You pee on the couch? <laughs> no, I'm saying the couch is ten feet from the bathroom, and it's the thinnest door you've ever seen. Ugh, the worst. Um, so scary. And I swear, it's always as soon as I go to the bathroom, everyone's silent. Like we can have a huge bumbling conversation. Everyone's so happy, we're good. And then yep. as soon as I leave, silence, and I can't do it. I have to. Wait you know until what? I get home. <laughs> in recent years, I've found a way to kind of get over that weird fear of going to the bathroom in public places because I really just don't genuinely like doing it for no, just a variety of reasons. But, like, just don't like it. Uh, but one thing I've found that helps me is if I put on Bluetooth headphones or, like, my AirPods and I put them on noise canceling and I feel like, well, if I don't hear anybody else, it doesn't matter whether anyone hears me. Like, I'm in my own world here. Like, so I won't hear anything I do or hear anything anyone else does. And it helps to some degree. Yeah. Some Love degree. It. Yeah. Just pretend. The other day at my office building, I walked into the restroom and mid flush, I hear a very aggressive conversation happening. And there's very few women that work for my the company I work for. And so instantly I'm like, who is this? What is happening? Who's fighting in the ladies room? And there was just a woman on speakerphone in mid phone call and then walking out of the stall. I'm like, I want your confidence. I that want the is, confidence. That's impressive. To not only I'm be on scared. the phone. But to be on speakerphone in your office building. <laughs> yeah, I always like, I always had this illusion that women's restrooms were way cleaner than men's because I had this idea that like women are clearly they must be cleaner than men. And plus they don't stand up. So maybe their aim is better or something until I had two girls and I've had to go into the women's restroom many times. And I. That's when I realized that yours is just as gross as the men's restroom. Yeah. Maybe hover or whatever. Third hole do. fluid. Oh, and oh, I, I I'm gonna only guess what the third hole is, and the um, but if it's the fluid that you wouldn't see in the men's room unless you had some sort of like uh kidney stone or something like oh, that. Oh no, I've seen it in both bathrooms. I used to work at a grocery store, and um, to get a little graphic, I went into clothes in the men's restroom. There was a Crayola thermos left on the counter and it was full of urine and blood oh god and i left it there Some vampire. <laughs> i wouldn't Some i didn't know what to like do with it snack for later i guess i was so scared but i was like oh my god like i'm i could not believe it it was like a crime scene to some degree because i'm not used to seeing that particular fluid in restrooms much i mean it's all of it's gross but uh yeah, that that was surprising. The girls were props to you for being the dad that walked their daughter into the women's room because I've I know far too many room. dads are too afraid to do it. So props oh. to you. Well, I've been I'm, taken into the men's room for sure. <laughs> I tell people I'm like I identify as whatever I want when my kids need me to go into the restroom with them because my daughter, my youngest, she's getting over it. It's taken some time. She actually has. She's always had this un. Uh, like uncanny fear of drains of drains, like in pools, 
in toilets or whatever and put like and the bathroom is like really scary to her and so she like wants you to go with her and she won't sit down until you put your hand over the sensor and i have to stand there with my hand <laughs> over the sensor while she goes and then she's star- like i and then she won't start because she's looking back at me like are you still doing it i'm like yes i'm doing it like i'm in the bathroom with you holding the sensor just go just go she's like don't let go i'm like i don't want to be in here i promise you i'm not gonna let go and then but we uh but we have solved it i have i uh, th- through some trial and error I, I for a while i was bringing i would bring like a uh like a a toilet towel where she could put the towel over the sensor but then i realized like that's gross because you have to kind of carry that around with you bring that yeah we've now i mean just in the past few like couple months i've got it now to where i bring post-it notes with her and she puts a post-it note over it and then i've she's trusts me now i'm like just trust me this works it works i know how the technology works it works this way and so now she does it she can go in there put a post-it note up and then rip it off and then run out of the bathroom because she doesn't want to hear it flush oh poor thing i know (laughs) it's so sad i mean it's it's only it's only irritating in the fact that like you know it's just not something you want to do but can't get upset at your kids for having a fear like that, you know? Yeah. No, you just got to roll with the punches on that. Thank I say we're dad of the year for the post notes. Our, we treat our kids better, or we at least are more sensitive to what our kids' actual needs are rather than just going like, just smack them a couple times and they'll wisen up, like, right? Like, they're just weird. I mean, <laughs> that's about as far as you got. Like, there was no diagnosis. So, like, he's just a weird one. Um, yeah. Thank goodness we know more about our kid, my daughter, my oldest daughter is, she is, um, she is more self-aware. Like she is more aware of her emotions because she suffers anxiety. Right. I hope my daughters don't eventually go like, why'd you tell her all her secrets? Um, but she has, um, really bad at like anxiety. And so, you know, with therapy and stuff like that, she's gone to do when, like, hundred percent more therapy than I did as a kid. Cause I never went to therapy, but she's so good at being aware of like what her emotions are. She's like, I'm sorry, dad, that I was frustrated earlier. I just didn't get, uh, I got a lot of stuff done at school and I got hungry. And I normally, when I get hungry, it makes me upset and it makes me frustrated. And I'm also a little upset when you said that thing earlier that kind of made me feel as if like I, she's so good at explaining exactly what her emotions are. Yeah. I'm jealous. That's um my my sister has a four year old son and he is also the same way and my favorite thing he's ever said was when my partner was playing with him on some Christmas and he was messing with his blocks or his toys and something fell over and my partner goes oh Ollie I'm so sorry and this two three year old with the straightest face ever just goes it's okay to make mistakes and kept oh. going. <laughs> <laughs> Kids are emotionally hard. I don't know. Uh, it's scary how like kids can just be so blunt and so honest. Oh, I'm not good at that. But when kids are like, you look ugly today. It's like, oh, thank you. Yeah. At least thanks for your honesty, I suppose. Um, yeah, kids will just tell you whatever's on their mind. And they're, yeah. they're amazing. Like I, I, I was, I laughed at all the kids, or all the kids, all of my friends who had their children early, like they, like in late high school or early college, like had them in their like late teens or, or early twenties. And I laughed so hard. I'm like, ah, your life is over. And now I have two kids that are still have, you know, 10 years left 
in the house with both of them. I'm like, I wish I had more energy. <laughs> and all those people are like, oh, yeah, I'm out. Do you want to come? Oh, you can't go out because you have kids right now. Oh, okay. That's cool. How old I, were you when your first was born? 30. It was in my mid-30s. I was like okay. 36. So yeah, that's about I was, my I was born in 99, so my dad was 21 when I was born, and now he's 43 and a trail runner. He's crazy. He's got all the energy in the world. (laughs) Insane to me, because my parents were almost 40 when they had me. Weird. I'm just kidding. It's not, but... I mean, I'm going to know it's like, like, oh, wow, I'm going to be almost geriatric by the time you're out of school. Well, I will say that I had a lot of insight as a kid that had older parents that other kids did not. And I did see it as a positive because then it was like, oh, well, my parents had X amount of years of other life that yours might not have. Or they had just young and dumb. Um, (laughs) We didn't have any idea what they were doing. Um, But good for them because having kids is awesome. I love having kids. I mean, I don't love having kids. I just like the two children that I've had. I don't want to have any more of them. We're done right <laughs> but, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no I more. I love having kids. Like I love having the lot. two that exist there, yeah. period. No line. more. Uh, oh, man. So we're going to see each other in – we're going to see each other in Vegas next week. Yes. Which will be Seven awesome. Seven days. I heard last year that it was buck wild. Like, oh, my God. That was my days. first year. And a bunch of, I'm not Vegas local, I'm just six hours away. So I jumped down last year and that was my first level up ever. And a bunch of like people at both of the after parties, which are insane, by the way. um, And the actual day of, everyone's like, I've never seen it be this busy before. Like normally is con is really small and it's just shot up. And we were talking to a cosplay guest who has done guesting with them for the last five years uh, on our last episode. And she was even surprised by how big Level Up has gotten. Yeah, Level Up did something. They they literally did Level Up. Like they just – it was like, ching, achievement unlocked. And like it unlocks a brand new character because less than five years ago, it really wasn't that busy of a, of a convention. It just blew up. And Which I used to always say, like, Vegas. I'd never been to a successful convention in Vegas. A lot of people tried to do anime or pop culture conventions, and they never worked. Like, and I hate to say this about, well, they're not, they don't exist anymore, really. So it doesn't matter. But I went to a, a Wizard World mm-hmm. that they did in Vegas, and they sort of just didn't do any sort of grassroots marketing at all. They're just like, well, we're Comic Con. If we just show up, everyone will come, right? And I have. I actually have never been to a show where, like, I think I saw four people all weekend because no one was there. Like, just no one showed up. Wow. It was crazy. It was super awkward. Um, And I get really nervous when I don't have people in front of me because then Mm – and sometimes I do feel for cosplayers because you have the biggest – you have the biggest hearts on you because you – like, when you have to talk – like, I kind of have to talk to everybody – who comes up to you and you have to have like, there's no, there's no distraction. There's no like, Hey, it was really great talking to you. You're I, trapped there. <laughs> like you're, you're there. Like I remember watch walking by, um, uh, <laughs> I remember walking by a cosplay booth and I remember this kid, he was just hovering there. He was just sort of standing there and he's standing there and standing there as I was approaching, he was just sort of standing there and there was nobody in line. So she was just sort of sitting there waiting like, okay, are you going to come up here? Are you not going to come up here? And then as right as I got to them, he walked up, he goes, so, um, how's business? <laughs> and I was like, oh, gosh. 
And don't get me wrong. Like, like I don't have a problem talking with anybody, but like, I get a little bit of anxiety when like, I don't know what else to talk about with people occasionally. And, uh, but you guys have to do all that. Like, God bless your, the cosplayers who have to, uh, talk to everybody. Normally it's okay, but you probably get this too. A lot of people will talk to me like I'm the character that I'm dressed as. No matter what, they won't let me break character. They expect this level of me. And sometimes I just can't do it. Like sometimes if I'm Supergirl and kids come up to me, because I did like a photo shoot at the Ice Castles in Utah um, with my Supergirl, like just so I could do a Fortress of Solitude type of photo. And I had kids coming up to me then. And with Supergirl, it's a little bit easier to just be in character. But um, I've had this happen when I've been at Bulma or Nami at conventions. I have dudes come up to me and are like, can I pick you up? Can I touch you? Can you hit me with your climb attacks? Like, whoa, yeah, whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa. Back up a minute. If whoa. you pay me, maybe. That's in character <laughs> for Nami. That's okay. It's it's a hard thing, too. Like, well, I guess that you could say that as Nami and you can get away with it, actually. Yeah, definitely. How many bells you got. Um, but the, you also have, like, slightly different thing because I, mm-hmm. at least I – this doesn't happen to me. But there's, there's not an intense, like – there's not a sexualization of yeah. voice actors as much. It, in my case, I do know that there are a lot of voice actresses that people come up and they do the same exact thing. They're like, they talk to him as if they're the character. Mm-hmm. And if anyone ever comes up to me, like, it's nice to meet you, Vegeta. I go like, well, you know, I'm not really Vegeta. I'm actually I'm the just, voice of Vegeta, but also. I'll say hi to him for you next time I see him. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Okay. It's normally okay. It's just hard. And especially on a convention level where it's like, I'm in a painful costume. My wig hurts. My contacts hurt. I don't, I can only do this for so long. And I try. I do my best. I like being Nami. I like being whatever. I have like Bulma tattoos. So if I'm wearing something, people are like, I really like your tattoo. And then start talking to me about Goku. I'm like, it's not who's on my arm. But yeah, thank you. Um, Just awkward conventions breed a weird kind of parasocial relationship that you just kind of have to accept when Mm -hmm. you go into them and it's normally all right sometimes it's not it just really is a dice roll i love conventions i've been going for a decade now i'm well (laughs) trained in my field of what i do but it can be so much sometimes good i mean so you've seen the kind of the um you've seen how thai cosplay has really like been elevated to a place where it actually really is, is significant on a much larger level than it used to be. Like it always was there. Like it was always cosplay guests, but they always, mm-hmm. they weren't necessarily, they were treated kind of like, they weren't treated the same as other. No, people, it was kind of like guests. artist alley. They're putting the dealers to do their little thing and dress up over there, but they weren't like seen as little celebrities, which most of them kind of are at this point with yeah. social media. Like you have people who are pushing more followers than some of your voice actors you have or some of your actual sure. actors. And because it's, like, it's a skill and it's a talent. And like, I, I respect that. I respect the heck out of it. It's just, I see it now where like, you're really getting like serious presence and that's great. Mm-hmm. And there, sometimes I've been to conventions where they'll have like 20, 30 cosplayers, like all in a row. Like it's, in, yeah. it's crazy. And everyone and it's, looks great. So many skills wrapped up in one because it's not just making a costume. It's are you sewing it? Did you style the wig? Are you taking mm. your own photos? Are you modeling? Are you managing your own social media? Like there's there's people that have whole teams for that. And then this person did it all on their own. And that's what's most admirable to those guests. But yeah. I'm going to guess that if you're anything like me, 
you probably actually like it when somebody comes up to talk about the craft of what you've done rather than necessarily, hey, look, you're Bulma. Uh, Someone <laughs> yeah. is like, oh, I'm so, hey, how did you make that? Or like, what is that made out of? Whatever. That's got to be actually kind of the fun part of it, too, by kind of ex- expressing like the, the crafting that goes into it. Yeah, for that's sure. my favorite part. I really like being acknowledged for the work that goes into it. Like Level Up, I have five more costumes to finish by next week. Um, oh so I've been working with 3D printed parts all day and I'm putting so much effort into them that it's like, if someone doesn't tell me my helmet looks cool, <laughs> I might cry. If someone doesn't tell me my climb attack looks cool, I might cry <laughs> because it's like all of my costumes are so big. I'm driving down so I can bring all of my big costumes. It's like, please just ask me about how I sewed this harness at least once I'm begging. 3D printing must have just changed your industry incredibly. Like, Absolutely. Crazy. Yeah. I bought my files and then my friend printed them for me and I'm doing Chainsaw Man. So we have a huge helmet that we had to do. Um, I'm doing the bomb version. So I have like an atom bomb helmet that I printed. Um, my NAMI stuff is 3D printed. So I have my log pose and my climb attack all done. And I, I just have so much to Chainsaw do. Chainsaw Man, they were just like, screw you, cosplayers. Yeah. <laughs> Try this one. Yeah. Like, I, I feel bad for people who have to do that cosplay because it looks really, really difficult to wear. Yeah. Um, our first helmet didn't print right. It's too small. And the file I use, I don't think is very cosplay friendly. It looks like it's more like as a prop. So I'm just going to glue that together and call it good. And it's almost done. I just, it's a lot. It's a lot because I do my own costumes and then I do commissions for my partner. So I make huge costumes for him as well. So it's simultaneous. It's cool. <laughs> my daughter loves, my my two daughters love cosplay. They love the they love to get dressed up to go to conventions. Mm-hmm. I think I see in them what it like when people ask me, like, why do these people all dress in costume? I'm like, because it's really fun. It's like, even if you don't understand what cosplaying is, it's like Halloween, but on like a longer, you get to do it all day. You know, it's, it's really fun for people. Um, lately, my oldest, uh, she's uh, 12. She's really into like, I, I introduced her to, uh, uh, Horizon uh, Zero Dawn. Yeah, because I I was playing through it and I realized this game is actually the the Aloy character is really a great character. She's like a perfect a perfect warrior where they didn't try to make her sound like too too tough and they didn't try to make her too sexy. They she's and immediately both my daughters like gravitated. They, they love the character. They've hardly played the game, and they're obsessed with Aloy already. Like, they think she's awesome. Aloy's so cool. Parker knows a, a cosplayer that built a whole Aloy costume for Horizon for the new release. Yeah, May one of the girls I went to the middle name school. Was? Do you have um, Bella? It's Halsey Bella. Her hmm. and I went to middle school, and we're very close. It's also um, they shared a costume with Rain Emery on like TikTok and Instagram. Um, but they did a commission for like media wise for Horizon Zero Dawn and PlayStation to do those costumes. Okay. Yeah. I, tr- I contacted somebody because my daughter's birthday was coming up and she was going to be going to a convention with me. I thought I'd surprise her with a, like an Aloy costume, but I, I mean, I, it was like almost a month and a half ago. Cause I thought, well, that's gotta be enough time. Right. But it's, I, didn't factor in the fact that like they that you all get requests from people that's like you're a store like you you are you're you know you're a uh i don't know a, you're 
blacksmith of of <laughs> cosplay stuff. And so they're like, I I would do it, but I just don't know if I would have time to do it between mm-hmm. now and then. Yeah, it takes it should take someone like a month or two for a full costume. I don't do that. I'm really bad at giving myself deadlines. Um, and I rush things <laughs> like I'm doing Nami's Onigashima outfit. I don't know if you actually are like watching One Piece on your own or anything, but it's the one in the red that she's currently wearing in the newest uh, Japanese episodes. And oh. it's like the red one with the armor and um, it's huge. And it's taken me three days total working time because I'm not giving myself any time whatsoever. Is it kind of a like I'm looking at it now? Is it kind of like a, a samurai kind of looking yeah. armor? That's yeah, and cool. I'm doing it the traditional way. So I have real knots on it, and then I'm tying in like my bottom panels. So that way it will look super cool. That's but, really cool. Yeah, I'm wearing Nami all weekend next week, except for my one Chainsaw Man Day. Chainsaw Man Day. Chainsaw Man Day. Yeah, I have not. There's no way to watch. There's no way to kind of catch up. I, I, I was like, yeah. I was always like, oh, I'll, I'll watch One Piece. Eventually, and then it just kind of got behind me, and I'm like, I don't have, I, I just don't have time. When you do watch animes, do you watch it in dub or sub, or do you watch if it, you're in it? Are you able to watch with your own voice, or is it no. difficult? I'm really bad at watching stuff I've done. Like I, it, I'm too too critical, and uh, it's just it's just really weird. I, I I can do it, and I can if I'm have to listen to an episode or I'm having to review something. It's fine. I'm very picky about my own work, but watching dubbed anime, sometimes I actually end up like I find myself like, oh, what actor is that? Like, who who did they use for that? Like, oh, that's an interesting way they did this. So I start thinking about the it's just it kind of ruined it because I I think shop the whole You're, time. Yeah. Yeah. It's all the inside baseball. Uh, I I never I would have told you uh, a year ago that I really actually don't watch dubs that much because I was always interested in kind of hearing the Japanese version of it. But uh, I also didn't watch a lot of TV. So and like a year ago or so more a year and year or two ago, I was very strategic about what I would watch because I'd never had enough time. But lately I've actually been doing this thing. That I think most people do is leaving stuff on in the background while I'm doing other things. And you can't do that with subtitle content. Like, no. <laughs> and so that's where the dubs actually became really useful to me. So I've watched like a lot of series uh, dubbed that I wouldn't have otherwise watched probably. And I, I become, I've come to really enjoy them because they're getting really good. People are really mm-hmm. putting a lot of care into them, you know? I'm really curious. What is the role that you are least recognized for at conventions for anime? Because um, Mr. Munch, I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> I, for <man>. anime, <laughs> Wait, which one? Which, what were you saying? Munch? I said Mr. Munch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, no, I'm I'm big with that one kid. Um, <laughs> just that one. Uh, let's see. I mean, what's weird is that for the longest time, of all the main character, like main cast people I've done, Zora was the one that people came up for the least. It wasn't until there was a you know, a worldwide pandemic that people had enough time to watch One Piece. And then finally, everybody loves One Piece now. Like everybody. If you've been to it for a long time, maybe you're actually a little like mad because now it's becoming like the thing that everybody's watching. Um, and and so there's, there's a bunch of shows that I have loved that I wish more people had seen just for dumb reasons. I love the weirder ones I've been in, like 
Justin Briner and I were the first voices in the first episode of um, Pop Team Epic. I don't know if you've Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. And then Ian Sinclair and I do the Bob Epic Team. Anytime it's like the two weirdly drawn ones uh, like that are super bizarre, we do those each each week that it was on. And there was another show I did that I loved called Ninja Slayer. I don't know if you ever saw that one. No. See, I'm, I have heard to, I'm a visual learner. She's got a uh, type every yeah, episode. Me too. <laughs> and Ninja Slayer was an anime that was based on uh, a. It was based on a graphic novel, like these graphic novels that were just beautiful, like they're really stunning looking. However, these weird, these kind of weird animators got a hold of it, and the. Mm. And they kind of like the, the thing about them is they pretended to be like they pretended to be actual ninjas, but they were they said they were from America. And I think it was all this just persona that they had. And instead of it looking like this gorgeous, beautiful anime, it was super bizarre. Where like when they when they would fight, the characters sort of lift up in 2D and then their feet would just like hit each other like this. And then they would explode into like real flames. Um and it was right, super, super weird. And anytime the Ninja Slayer would meet an enemy, he would say, um, Domo or whatever. And he'd say, Domo, he goes, uh, recite to me your death haiku. And then they would, <laughs> and then they would say, I won't do that, man. I would never do a haiku. I won't do that right now or whatever. And they would accidentally say a haiku and then they would explode or whatever. It's super, super <laughs> weird. And I, I am pretty sure nobody ever saw it. And uh, the director was Tyler Walker, and I think we did a director commentary on it one time. And I think we came up with a, a an email address that says like I actually listened to the extra features of Demon Slayer at gmail dot com or something like that. And we never checked it, but I, I was pretty sure that nobody ever watched it, especially wouldn't watch the extra features of it. But if you could find That's it, incredible. Sure. I'll try. I'll look for it. You you should. I'll put my and the time. Next into time it. I'm on your podcast because I got to come back. Yeah, absolutely. Like I just have to keep coming back because you. I like you. We'll just and do a so, check in. <laughs> yes, like I'll just check in with you guys every now and then. So. Oh, we'd uh, love that. Definitely can. Yeah, I, I, we're we're friends now. We're all friends. Yeah. Oh my god. There. Wow. <laughs> I just realized it was my full name on here. Wow. I did yeah. my last name off. Oops. <laughs> it's okay. Don't mind me. <laughs> Um, it won't show for anyone else, but let's see. I'm trying to look at our time and look at what our questions are. And it looks like we're a little bit close on both, unless you do want to go a little over. I mean, we it's could, up to you. I mean, I don't want to rush out of here, but it'd be like, we could chat a little bit longer. We're okay. we'll be good. Um, Chris, I did want to let you know in chat, I dropped that, um, cosplayer that parks knows and her Aloy cosplay. So you can I show your a, daughter. I am a visual learner too. So I, I'm wondering if it's the same person I reached out to. And she was also a guest at FanX last year. Okay. This is not the person I reached out to, but it is, um, I might have actually seen this cosplayer. Did, were they featured in the extra kind of the like extra feature thing of the game? Yeah, like, I think so. It was on the PSN network and there was like this. Not for the last game, but for the new one, for Forbidden West, yes. I believe they were. Yes. Yeah. I've seen her. Do you know what's weird? She looks so much like, do you guys know an actor named Troy Baker by any chance? Yeah, yes. I know of him. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> I mean, this this means nothing to anybody, but she looks so much like his wife. Anyway, um, <laughs> that's crazy. Sorry. 
you're watching this, oh. Troy, because I know you do, uh, you follow everything uh, that I do, Troy, um, looks like Pam. All right. Sorry. Troy, if you listen to this, you want to be on here too. Call <laughs> yes. oh, what's up, Troy? <laughs> Drop it. Troy's a good friend, but he's also, and I'm sure you have plenty of these good friends. He's a good friend of mine that you aren't always sure if he's ever going to text you back sometimes. Oh, like, yeah. Like a <laughs> totally. month later. Uh, but My I friend can is be such like a whirlwind. sometimes too. I'm the worst. <laughs> it's not because I don't want to get back to you. It's just I just don't do If I don't do it at that moment, I'm going to forget. Yeah, totally. I have those friends, but then they'll like show up again in the group chat and be like, I was just in Mexico for two weeks. What's up? Like, oh, okay. I'm glad yeah. you're here now. <laughs> it's funny. I, I'm not like that. I'm always here. I'm connected to my phone at all times, which I don't love, but it's okay. Terminally so online. Um, is it cool if I call you Nebs? Absolutely. Okay, good. Um, when you watch people who do like, like board game content, they have to have like a wall of board games behind them. Yes. Can you not be taken seriously as a cosplayer unless you have like <laughs> my sewing, sewing machine, machine in the background? To I've got like all my crap that she I'm had working Piccolo on back there too. <laughs> oh yeah, I just got him in the mail. Um, so I have oh, little Piccolo and the driving boy. instructor. He's the best one. I Piccolo was the and unboxed him. Yeah, I, he. I had to set him free. I can't keep him in the box. Piccolo was the first Dragon Ball character I ever saw as a kid, and I fell in love with him. So. Oh, he's such a dad, too. Uh, he's did, so good. You, I'm assuming you saw the new movie, right? Like Absolutely. The, yes. I loved him in that. It was He was amazing in that. It was the. It was probably one of my favorite movies. I, a lot of people were like, Broly was better, but it's like, I don't care. I'm not here for that. I'm here for this comedy hour of it. Yeah. I, I like the relationship the, the between characters. him and Piccolo. Sorry, him and Gohan were so good. It was, like, I loved it. I loved him being a grandpa to Pan. I loved all of it. It was my favorite. That's why I love Dragon Ball, not for all the big fight scenes so much. For that, I'm more, I like the animation, but not the storytelling. I love the character storytelling of Dragon Ball as a whole. And that's, I feel like that's what Parks and I really bonded over was specifically those characters and liking the the interactions much more than the shonen type of stuff. We sure. wanted to see how they, like how he carries on with Gohan through the years and like Vegeta's relationship with Trunks and how that evolves. And that's, that's the part of Dragon Ball that just steals and my Goku's heart every time. lack of character development in any sort of way <laughs> whatsoever. Um I'm a defender. Fight you. She's gonna I'm fight a defender. You. I think Goku is a good dad. I think he's done the best he could in of any course. situation for his family. Anyone who's like, he doesn't love Chi Chi, Chi Chi's bossy, whatever. It's like, you don't have media literacy. Please understand <laughs> that he loves his family so much. He just doesn't understand what that emotion is because he didn't have father figure to help him right please <laughs> he although with with that said he's pretty i i sometimes think that he's a his desire to fight the strongest person is kind of unhealthy like i, I don't I, sometimes i do wonder yes chi chi is he i'm sure he really likes chi chi um, maybe loves Chi Chi if he even knows really what that means. But I think he only really loves to fight the strongest person. <laughs> to steal I, my partner's word for it, he says Goku is fight sexual and nothing else. That that makes sense. I I don't want to be like I don't want dog like 
I don't want to dog him, but it is really funny. So many times in the series where like Goku comes back and Gohan's like, Dad! And he just walks right past him. He's like, what's happening, Vegeta? How are things? <laughs> like... they're, in... they're platonic soulmates. You can't get between them. But I don't know. I read the manga and right now it's like, okay, we're going to finally give Bardock some information and humble Goku on what emotions are. But it's like, this is two decades after the fact and we're finally right. teaching him like, hey, your dad also had feelings. You can too. That's a that's a good point. I mean, he just, yeah, he was raised in the woods and he fell on his head. And so yeah, he has a brain injury. <laughs> he doesn't know. He's just a little. Just has a little yeah. brain injury. Nothing wrong he, with that. He could be so much worse. Thank God this he is. He could be so much worse. That's true. That's true. I mean, at least he, well. He wasn't necessarily as sexist as Vegeta was. And for the longest time, I actually kind of leaned into that sexism because I thought it was I thought it was really funny how he just was so clueless about it and how terrible he was <laughs> about it. And it made his relationship with Bulma when he finally like kind of did admit that he was loved her, or, like that he stands up for her. Uh, that made it even sweeter, right? And then, then he's like the guy who tries to be hard, but like his family crushes him, sort of. Like, just they, he's got a love for his family that's much more obvious than Goku's. So that's that's the only reason I think that Vegeta gets all that credit, or Piccolo gets all the credit for being the best yeah. dad. He's the dad that stepped up, <laughs> right? Yeah, you could be someone's Piccolo if you want. Yeah, everyone needs a Piccolo stepdad sometimes. <laughs> Man, but, the uh, when's the last time you went back and watched uh, Dragon Ball, like the original? I'm currently She's watching, watching it right it. now. Yeah, it is held up surprisingly well. It's really good. I like. Yeah. it. Yeah, I just got to the part where Chi Chi says, "Are you going to think about me again?" And Goku's like, "Well, yeah. Aren't you going to think about me?" And I just, oh, I melt every time. <laughs> uh, They're so cute. So cute. I, Before we had to push Goku that way. <laughs> There were some jokes. Like, I almost wish in some ways we could do a Dragon Ball Kai where we went back and actually dubbed it the way it was really written. Because mm-hmm. um, there's some there's some dicey characters in that that we kind of like <laughs> just glazed right over. Like, the, especially like, was it Gener- uh, Commander, like General Blue? Do you remember that scene where he finds uh, like he finds the boy or whatever? That was really creepy, man. Like, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. anyway, we we won't get into that right now. Um, that's okay. Let's save it for on. next time you're on the pod. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> we'll go more in depth with the weirdness of original Dragon Ball. I'll I'll leave you with one, like, not leave you, but like I'll tell you one dark thing real quick that's in the new movie, right? Uh, and this is just in case anybody hears this podcast and then wants to go. I, I'm sure that uh, Dragon Ball Super Superhero will be out on video sometime soon or like in, in streaming or something at some point. Uh, there's this scene where like Gohan is flying to a location to get somebody. So I don't spoil it. But there's a scene where he's like in a, a plane heading somewhere because and then he uh, the, the kind of the bad guys in the plane with him. And he's like, there's the person I'm looking for. And then he jumps out of the plane and then the plane explodes, right? And that's the last, and it's the last we hear of whoever it was that was piling that plane. And 
because I watched this frame by frame recording everybody, there's a scene later. I don't know if you've noticed, but when they're all kind of standing on the stairs, like Pan picks up his glasses. She like finds them on the ground, like super dark. Like, <laughs> no, oh I God. noticed that. Um, since I'm watching One Piece, I'm currently at Whole Kick Island. It's like I mark every single time someone should be dead. And so when I went in to see Superhero, I was like, we killed that guy. That guy is gone. He is like, so dead. He's so dead. Because um, I love tracking like background characters of like, did we just like leave him there? Um, <laughs> it's really funny. I'm obsessed to me. with that too. Like, I'm serious. Like, I've always thought it'd be a really funny short film or uh, to do uh, nothing but cut to people that are dealing with. Uh, <laughs> like a really like dealing with like a cleanup of some sort of mess. And then it's revealed at the end of the short film that they're just like all the people who got their, their fruit cart smashed open in the, in the chase scene or whatever. Like when they're driving the cars and they like, they hit the, the person's walking across with his little thing of eggs and like it gets smashed. And like, it'd be really, I feel sad for all those people. I need but like the man of steel cut where we saw everybody that actually died during that movie. Ooh, yes. All the car crashes and stuff that you don't pay attention to because someone's just flipped a bus upside down or whatever. Anyway. Oh my god. No, I love that. It's kind of why I like Invincible when Invincible was animated oh, because gosh, it's like, yes. I love consequences. Invincible and, and the boys funny. too uh, reminds me of like kind of loves that too. I love the boys. But I'll watch Zoro do a whole thing. It's like he he – he killed those guys. Those Marines didn't have names. You see in the opening of like any of them, honestly, and like Luffy will do an elephant gun into the boat and the Marine boat will explode on the ocean. It's like, those guys don't live. They don't exist anymore. <laughs> no, it's yeah. I like, you, have you been keeping characters. like a kill count on him? Do you just kind of estimate his kill count at this point? I can't. They don't tell me how many Marines are on a battleship, and I don't know if they're like Admiral battleships or normal battleships, so I can't keep an accurate number. I, but canonically, Luffy's killed no one. If I wouldn't it's get Batman in trouble, I could, I could probably go to the director and say, hey, can I have the episode uh, cast list real quick? Because that's the curse of working on One Piece as a director, is that you uh, it'll have the main cast, <laughs> like a bunch of random characters that you weren't expecting to be in it, and then Pirate A through double Z and then Marine A through triple C or whatever. There's just a billion of them. They all have to oh have goodness. a ah, voice. Well, it's funny because you can tell um, Frankie's Japanese voice actor is so prominent. You can tell when he's Bon Clay and then you can tell when they reuse him again for nameless characters because Frankie's not in the scene. You're just like, that's him. That is Frankie. Oh, I, like, I can that. hear him. <laughs> Yeah, they. I feel like in the Japanese version, the sub, they just reuse everybody a lot. You're like that was Zoro talking right now. <laughs> I haven't. Baby Sanji is Chopper. Oh my gosh. Oh, I guess so. Yeah, which is ironic because Baby Zoro is Chopper in the dub. Um, like because I think Brina plays Kid. Uh, she plays Kid Zoro. They're both Chopper at this point. <laughs> right. Duh. Um, duh. What was it? Oh, yeah. I was just thinking about this because I was actually talking to Ian Sinclair today. He's the voice mm -hmm. of Brooke. Um, and I was talking about the Japanese version of it and the subtitled uh, original Japanese version. I actually have a hard time sometimes knowing whether Zoro or Sanji is talking. 
like their voices sound so similar to me that sometimes I don't know actually which one was talking. Mm-hmm. Throws me off. That's like that. that's why I have to watch the dub. I have such a hard time differentiating the voices and and sub. I can't watch One Piece dubbed because I feel like I only like the voices of the Straw Hats. Um, it's a per- it's a thing on me. It's just hard to see like the overacting in Japanese and then come over and it's like completely a little played down sometimes. It's just on me totally. But there are certain ones where like Eric Vale's Sanji, I can't hear anything but trunks. It's just trunks. Yeah, to me. yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. It's. It's not like I don't try, and I love it. He signed my raid suit can because I've gotten prints from him for my Sanji stuff, whatever. I adore his Sanji, and I love watching the One Piece movies and dubs. I just cannot watch the main series, and it's really hard for me to separate some voices I've heard. Well, I'm not offended because the voice of Luffy (laughs) in Japan is one of my favorite voice actors of all time. She's so amazing. She's incredible. And she's the voice of Krillin in Dragon Ball Z. And I always loved Krillin's Japanese voice, too. Um, she's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I love it. I think Sonny's voice is my favorite Usopp more than Krillin. Like, I think I like his Usopp more than Krillin. I also love his Krillin. I just also think he's the perfect Usopp. You should mm-hmm. have Sonny join you. I, we would if I can get to his to. agent, I would. You, I'm, I am his agent. I, I'm, <laughs> Are I, you? I am today. I'll message him and say you should do the podcast. Yeah. He's one of the say- kindest, most genuine, amazing people and like, such a great artist and such a good dude. I follow him on TikTok. Like, I'm all over it. I'm just very embarrassed to reach out sometimes. I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'm the one with the business degree. If you want to send you. Ian my information, oh, no, I'll no. get everybody on here. I'll I'll get him. Like, if he's available, I'll be. I'll get him to do it. He's, he's I got an open calendar. Guy. Okay. Yeah, anytime. So- <laughs> Amazing. You're going to have to remind me of that, actually. If uh, you don't hear from me, email me and say, Chris, you didn't. <laughs> pass us on to Ian. Pass us on to Sonny. Get us around. <laughs> uh, you should do this podcast. <laughs> just... Oh, my gosh. Okay. Sold. Done. Networking. Wow. Um, thank you. Amazing. And then he's going to re- reply, which podcast? And then I'll remember to get back to him. You'll see it in two weeks when we get back from Level Up. I have a recording session, believe it or not, in 15 minutes. So I probably need to wrap up. Then let's wrap up and let you go. No, you're totally fine. We went over the time you gave us, and I appreciate that. I went over every second. Willingly. (laughs) Before you run off, is there anything that you want to plug or any um, social media or anything you're working on? I know I just listened to you in Sky Brother Force. If there's anything like that that's kind of floating around that you wanted to mention. That happened over the pandemic. I completely forgot Mm -hmm. that I was part of that. Like, that was a really fun. That was a cool project. Loved um, it. I just started working on the new Gundam anime that's out. Um, I don't know if it's been announced, but I'm I am working on another show that's pretty interesting at Funimation. That's that's happening this season. I don't want to say anything in case I'm not supposed. Just to. in case, yeah. 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 Um. Let's see. Still working on One Piece. Um. Forever. And- <laughs> Uh, it's cool they're doing batch releases now. Yeah, true. Uh, they're doing batch releases. I mean, my hope is that someday they'll just be a singularity. And yeah. then one day, like maybe we'll be recording it almost the same time. That would be so crazy. It if we get off that damn roof, you'll catch up. <laughs> right? <laughs> You're not that far anymore. I think it's only about 50 or 60 episodes until we're there. Oh, man. And the Wano arc is literally everything 
It's it's everything everyone told me it was going to be. It's so it's so beautiful. amazing. It's so cool. Zoro. I mean, if you don't like Zoro, you will after the Wano arc for sure. Love it. Oh, Sunny goes. Sure. Yeah, what's it called? Oh, oh my god. Hey. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, well, when we hop off this call, I will email you all of our information so you can send it to Sunny. Um, but thank you so much, Chris, for this. This is truly a dream come true. Hold um, on, uh, before yeah. we finish this off, just so we can keep our video file all the same, can you hurry and drop where we'll find you on everything? Oh, uh, t- uh, let's see. I have to remember this. Oh, uh, yeah. Drop that first. In Instagram, it's like, uh, should. Uh, Christopher Sabat, I really great at promoting myself. Um, <laughs> Christopher Sabat Instagram dot net. I'm joking. Uh, Christopher Sabat on Instagram, and then uh, um, just Chris Sabat on Twitter. Although I've been avoiding, I just haven't been really good at social media in general uh, for a while, and Twitter just became the really weird place to hang out now. Um, yeah. It's almost like that part where the party gets like a bit too weird, and you're like, "Okay, I think I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go home early for a little bit because y'all, are, I don't even know what y'all are talking about right now." Uh, oh my gosh! And so oh, okay. I just wanted to leave before the cops got called. You know? Yeah, I gotta go. This is gonna just <laughs> get too rowdy call. in here. Um, oh man! And I'm, I was actually really sad about the Twitter, like the Twitter thing. I don't, I, I feel like. Uh, there's going to be a really interesting biopic about um, Elon Musk eventually because I think that's the most expensive joke he ever made. Was like, and it's green. still going. <laughs> this bit won't end. It won't. But I do end. have a theory as a guy who like loves science that there is something behind it too because he already like Tesla is even though I love his rockets and I like it like I really love his cars. I love his cars and. He, what he is more than anything is like a data company. Like all those cars have all those cameras and all those cameras provide all this data. And he has so much data that he has all of location data in the, like more location data in the world. And now he will have location and personality data. And so he'll be able to make his, like probably the most impressive thing that he's ever made is probably the robot that runs the Gigafactory in Austin is like this super high tech kind of robot that will eventually be the president of the United States. I'm sure. So, <laughs> I'll be so um, happy for it when it does. Yeah. Yeah. I'll cheer for it. I'll vote for it. <laughs> Sonny. I said, it's called Nebula and parks, which I hope that is the name. It's not the reverse. Um, he goes, I love Nebulae. <laughs> <laughs> there you oh go. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Wow. Well, I, think he, I don't know if he knows you. I think he may have just been talking about the astrological. I think he might be. Design. It's fine. We'll get his DMs. <laughs> okay, cool. I'll give him a awesome. go. It's so cool to talk to you. I am going to follow up, like, or follow up with me, and I'd love to be on again. It's good talking. We'll to see you, you next yeah, week. Absolutely. Too. All right. Cool. Yeah, we'll with come say hi. Stickers. That's with new right. Swag. That's right. And and It'll be because fun. because we're really good friends now, would you please just like. Like, and maybe you don't have to put this on the podcast or whatever, but like, just like, just come up and say hi. Like, come up, like, come up and wave at Francesca, and or you can come up on my side at like the exit or whatever, and just say we'll sneak in, and then I'll I'll take care of you from there because I know you're going to be busy. So <laughs> no, you're it's a we'll yeah, be no. free. You'll be you'll be the busy one. We yeah, have an open now, schedule. And Sim Squad, you get benefits. You know, like you yeah. you get front of line passes. That's just how it works. 
Oh my wow. gosh. Amazing. Thank you. Oh, sure. We'll let you go. Thank you can you. just close out anytime. But thank you so much for being here. It's very appreciated. And we're super happy to see you next week. Thank you. I'll talk to y'all soon. Um, thank you for listening to our episode. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Little Lightbee, Instagram at Crown Guard Cosplay, and I don't know anywhere else. Um, you can find our podcast at patreon.com slash fandames, Spotify as fandames part with Parks and Nebula, where you're listening to this now, probably, and Twitter and Instagram at fandames pod. Nebula, where can we find you? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at nebula underscore inky and just one addendum. It's patreon.com slash fandames pod. Did I, what did I say? Just fandames. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> You'll find us if you're not listening to this on Spotify, then you're listening to this on Patreon already. Like, I don't know. Yeah. And it's if you're listening to, to it on Spotify, you can get a video version of this on Patreon. And you can see Chris's beautiful face. You can see his glorious, beautiful face and his voluptuous beard that he said he should have shaved. And I strongly And our disagree. really cool matching One Piece shirts. Yeah, for sure. Very cool. Um, right. Thanks for letting us have an extra snail in the ear hole today, this week, or this weekend, you got week. I don't know where, what I'm saying to you anymore. Thanks for letting us have another snail in the ear hole. It's appreciated. Um, and I guess stick around for when we get Ian Sinclair and fucking Sunny Straight on the podcast. I guess yeah. that's happening for us now. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, guys. Also, if you look in the description of this, we'll put the Galaxy 500 for you so you can watch the Chris. Uh, singing in the fucking Chuck E. Cheese video. Charles yes. Entertainment Cheese himself. Pizza rat. Pizza oh rat. All right. <laughs> Love Goodbye. you all. Goodbye. Goodbye.